0: everybody. Welcome to another episode of Doses of Darling. For those of you tuning in for the first time, my name is Darling Membreño and I am a licensed professional counselor associate here in the state of Texas. I am giggling because this is like the sixth time that I try to record this intro and I keep messing up. Um, (laughs) So bear with me. I'm probably going to go all the way through with this one and see what happens. Um, So thanks to those of you who are new and listening and watching for the first time. Thanks to those of you who keep subscribing either here on YouTube or on Spotify or on Apple, um, on Amazon Music. I'm super grateful for those of you who are listening to and watching my stuff. Um, I am not at home right now, obviously. You can see by my background and I hope that you can hear me well. I don't have my massive microphone either, but um, I wanted to make sure that I get an episode in this weekend because we won't have an, another episode until two weeks from now. Um, I'm going out of the country for a little bit with my family, so I'm really excited about that, but um, I'm going to leave y'all podcast lists like I'm the only one, um, for just one weekend. Um, but yeah, keep subscribing to my channel and liking my stuff and I'll be back very soon so um, this episode is gonna be about another modality of therapy so remember I want to make sure that y'all know that therapy is not just going and sitting on a couch and talking about our problems to a person that's sitting across from us there are so many different ways that we can heal whatever we're coming into the session with and that's why I want to get this out to whomever needs to hear that like you're literally not just going to sit there and talk to somebody whether it's virtually or in person there are so many different modalities that you can research and probably fit best with who your, your personality is um, so this is another one that I'm super duper pumped about I've recommended it to so many different people because um, it works for so many things, so many mental health issues that come up, and um, it's a very quick therapy. We have um, a guest on the the podcast today who's going to talk about EMDR, and EMDR actually stands for, I'm going to butcher it in the episode a couple of times, I think I messed it up. I don't know how many times, but it's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy. So you desensitize and reprocess your emotions from when you experienced a specific certain trauma in your life or a situation that is living in your body somehow. So it's another somatic therapy, just like um, we talked about in the somatic healing episode, where you work with things that you feel in your body or memories that are stored in your brain that you kind of can't shake. So without further ado, here is our um, guest talking to us about EMDR. This modality is super intriguing to me because of what it entails. I did a whole report and presentation on it when I was in grad school, and I've even done two EMDR sessions on myself, and they were super powerful and eye-opening. I do have to say, do a little aside, this is not recommended if you're not a mental health professional. And even after each session that I did on myself, I still went and processed it with my own therapist. So you need a mental health clinician to do this alongside you so that you can get the best results possible. Um, My guests on today's podcast will give us a brief history on EMDR and follow up with some example of what it looks like in session This is Samantha Ben. She's a licensed clinical social worker here in Texas. And I met this gentle spirit of a woman at a Contigo Wellness event, the uh, women's wellness workshop, at which a whole bunch of us ladies got together on a Saturday morning and we did some sound healing, acupuncture, some massages. And then we even had some wellness discussions with amazing therapists, and Samantha was one of them. She was a facilitator and a therapist, and I was able to have a mini therapy session with her. And in that chat, I felt her warmth and inviting and vibrant spirit. And I knew that I wanted to know her a little bit better and have her in my life somehow. Didn't know um, how yet, but I knew that I needed her spirit in my life. And this was pre-podcast. I hadn't even I was still toying with the idea, and so I just followed her on Instagram, and then she was one of the first people that I reached out to, and it wasn't one of the initial episodes that I recorded, but we got her on here, which is amazing. That's awesome already, and um, I'm just excited that we were able to make it happen and that she's going to enlighten us with information on such a fantastic modality today. So welcome, Samantha. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to do this podcast podcast with me.
1: Thank you so much for having me and for those kind words. I'm very glad to be connected.
0: Cool. Okay. So the first question that I always ask is, how did you know that you wanted to become a mental health professional or what inspired you to take this path in life?
1: Mm-hmm. Gosh, that's the most important thing. Um So I was finishing my undergrad degree in business um, and I got to take an elective and found out that there was a whole field of study called social work. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't know helping professions existed. I didn't know that was a career path. And um, I knew that semester, like, oh, I'm going to get my master's in this because this is what I would want to do. I always knew I wanted to help people Just because of my lived experiences, I grew up in poverty in San Antonio and um, experienced homelessness and lots of evictions and lived in a shelter for a year and a half in section eight. And so with all of those stressors, feeling very alone, feeling very ashamed about my identity and like why my life was the way it was and really internalizing that of like, that maybe meant something about me, about my worth, and um, so, definitely wanting to support anybody that, that feels that way, especially in the Latino community, because I think that there are a lot of narratives that can go, um, that can be perpetuated in media and society if you are struggling. And so, wanting to, to uplift people, support people, help them um, not internalize that, not make that mean anything about them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing all of that. I mean, having a childhood like that must have been really difficult. And for you to want to give back to that kind of community, you know, sometimes people um, end up really bitter or don't process any of what happened to them as children. And so it's it's really amazing that you took that spin on it and that you want to give back to people who are in that situation um, and provide all of the services and resources necessary to people on the fringes. I think that you called it during one of our initial interviews.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Anybody that's like not socially conforming or isn't treated with dignity, like those are my people. Those are the people I want to uplift and, and love on.
0: Yeah, so how long have you been doing this work?
1: Um, I got my master's in social work in 2014. So it'll be about a decade. Um, that I've been practicing as a clinician.
0: That's super cool. And what is like the most rewarding experience or thing that you've gotten out of these ten, last ten years in this field?
1: Definitely, the connections. Um, I learn as much from the people that I'm working with as they learn from me. It is very much a reciprocal, like loving, giving um, experience, right? To witness people grow to witness people step into their voice, into their power, uh, to move past that pain, right? It takes so much bravery. So I get really inspired by that. I feel very privileged in that space. So yeah, it's, it's everything.
0: Yeah, super awesome. Well, thank you for giving us a little dose of you and um, people will get to know you now and understand why you decided to be in this field. And um, that's really great. So thank you for sharing that. All right, so let's get into EMDR. Can you give us a little bit of what it is
1: and maybe like a
0: brief history of how it came to be?
1: Yeah, um, so EMDR has actually been around for a minute. It started in um, 1987. It was uh, created by Dr. Francine Shapiro, and it's kind of an interesting story. So she was like on a nature walk, feeling her feels, and um Started di- darting her eyes back and forth, and she's walking too, so her feet are stepping, which is like the bi- bilateral stimulation as well, which is a part of EMDR. Um, but she she noticed that the emotional turmoil that she was experiencing was decreased, and that 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 darting of her eyes had a positive impact on her emotions, and so she got really curious about that and um, went and got people to study and research and figure out like, what was the sauce? Like, what was the thing that was helpful, right? And so they found out that it was bilateral stimulation. Um, And so with EMDR, since it's called eye movement desensitization reprocessing, the eye movement we use is, it's similar to like when you're asleep and you're in REM sleep and your eyes are darting, right, while you're asleep. And that's like processing everything that went on during the day. It's processing your memories. It's integrating your experiences. And so we do that in session with a therapy while you're awake. We will bring up maybe a challenging memory and then we'll do that eye movement. So the eye movement is kind of the gold standard, but you can do other bilateral stimulation. You can do like a butterfly tap, anything that's engaging like left brain, right brain, left brain, right brain. Um, you can tap your feet on the floor. There's also like little buzzers that you can hold in your hands that will go off for that stimulation. Um, but that's like the main key ingredient. And so what EMDR does is, is something that maybe is really hard to face, really challenging to think of. Maybe you have a whole bodily experience when you think of it. When you do EMDR, by the end of it, you're desensitized. You don't feel any sensations, there's the emotional charge goes away. And it's also the most rapid trauma treatment.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's interesting that you mentioned that because I I actually read a book by Dr. Shapiro, I think it's called Getting Past Your Past. And the, at least in that book, I don't know if it's changed, but in a single trauma, either 84 to 100% of single traumas can be process during three 90 minute sessions so it works really really quickly again alongside another mental health professional but the this kind of modality helps us to process things a lot faster and to um i think like you said desensitizes us oh my gosh i still said it wrong desensitizes you so emdr the sessions desensitize you from feeling the emotions you felt when you had the trauma or when the trauma occurred. And Sam was so nice that she didn't correct me.
1: Bless her heart.
0: From whatever emotions that we were feeling, whenever that traumatic event happened to us, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's like the, the least harmful, right? Because going into that can be really destabilizing. Mm-hmm. But like you said, it's rapid. It's the least harmful approach
0: yeah, so I know that all of these emotions come up during this these sessions. What kinds of things do you use to ground a person back if, for some reason, the emotions get out of control during during the session?
1: Mm-hmm. That's a great question. So there is a lot of prep work that goes into it beforehand, right? We want to make sure that you have resources that you you're feeling settled and stable um, in yourself, right? in your neurobiology, in your nervous system. So there's a lot of work before, but, um, during the session, it, you, you know, the client can always say like, Hey, I'm tapped out. I've had that happen before. Um, and we'll go outside together, right. We'll change the temperature. We'll, we'll use tea. We will use aromatherapy. I'll guide them through breathing, lots of grounding and sensory things to get them back into their window of tolerance.
0: Can you explain to us what the window of tolerance is? I don't think my audience has heard that term before.
1: Yeah. So it's, um, you know, we all have, we all have a nervous system, right? And that is kind of like our our window of tolerance is like our capacity to handle stress. So there's kind of like a green zone and you're, you want to be in your green zone. That's when you feel rested, you feel safe, you can connect but if something challenging happens, it'll pull you outside of that. And so then you're out of your bounds, right? And so you might feel anxious, you might feel uncomfortable, you might shut down. That Those kinds of things show you like, oh, I'm outside of my like normal capacity. So that's kind of what it is, is your capacity. And you can strengthen it, you can build it. It's a lot of the work we do in therapy is building that tolerance. If you've grown up in chronic stress, your window is gonna be really small. Um, you know, low tolerance is a symptom of mental health uh, disorders. So yeah, we can grow and strengthen that window.
0: Yeah. So how did you become interested personally in learning or working with EMDR? And do you have any firsthand experience that you would like to share part of your healing with it?
1: Mm-hmm. I became interested. So I worked my first job after grad school was at um, a women's shelter. And um, you know, there, I supported women through lots of trauma, right? Lots of complex trauma is why you end up experiencing homelessness. Um, and so seeing that level of trauma, that level of stress and and wanting to figure out, like, what are the best tools, right, to get through this, to help people face this and work through it? Because it's very easy to avoid. It's, it feels safer to avoid, right? Especially if you're already struggling. And so I really just wanted to make sure I knew all of the best resources and the least harmful ways to move through that so that people could feel better and heal. And also just in that experience with seeing all of these um, traumatic experiences that women have lived through at the shelter um seeing that their brains operated so differently right like trying one approach with somebody was really helpful but then the, the another person that didn't work for them and so also just wanting to have all the tools available all the resources available so that I could help their specific brain based on their lived experience
0: mm-hmm. So, what mental health conditions does EMDR help with?
1: So many. So, trauma in general, right? Um, Anything from uh, combat, right? Coming back from combat. They've done EMDR with people that have experienced mass shootings. Mm. Um, EMDR helps with anxiety. That's what I'm. So, you asked the previously, the previous question was, have I had experience with it? So, I am currently working with my therapist to do EMDR, but we're still prepping so i haven't started processing yet um but anxiety is one of the things that i'm using it for um and like the onset of anxiety in my childhood and so um mdr also helps with grief depression um negative core beliefs right if we have internalized shame internalized um Homophobia, internalized racism, all of those things EMDR helps with, uh, sexual assault, um, developmental trauma, like any attachment issues, if you have um, strained relationships with family can help with that. I mean, it is, it is so um, beneficial to a whole host of traumatic experiences.
0: Yeah, that's what it sounds like. You mentioned a lot of the things that um, either I will broach or want to broach in in this podcast. Um, almost everything under the sun is really helpful for us. So um, if, yeah, if this is appealing to anybody who's listening or watching this podcast, um, definitely check out this modality. So do you combine any other
1: modalities with EMDR? Yeah, um, <clears throat> so one of them so there are several one is parts work right when you start to understand yourself as having many different parts that one can be helpful too with ptsd so we know that with ptsd those symptoms are so harsh and brutal that it often takes people 10 years before they actually engage in treatment because it's so scary right it takes so much courage and so with when I work with PTSD, it's like, okay, can I work with like this really small part of you that maybe wants to heal that maybe, maybe can lean into some bravery. Right. So we do a lot of parts work with the MDR. Um, I've Sorry, also done
0: just to interrupt you parts work, meaning internal family system parts.
1: Yeah. Yes, exactly. which you did your last episode on, right? Yeah. Um, sand tray is another one. So, um, I'll have the person like create the visual or the memory in the sand, and then we'll reprocess using that. Um, let's see, polyvagal theory, right? Regulating your nervous system, settling your body. That's so built into EMDR. That's very complementary. The same with somatic healing, somatic work, also bringing in the body. I've got a lot of feedback from clients um, after doing EMDR that they now understand their body. Like they can understand the cues. They they can, it's a, a form of communication now, right? Versus just something they didn't even realize was happening or they were bothered by it happening, right? By having sensations. And now it's like, oh, this means this to me and I wanna pay attention to it. And so um, somatic is also part of the EMDR process. Yeah.
0: Well, that's super cool that you can integrate all these other modalities with it also. And yeah, I mean, you are you are doing some somatic work while you're working with EMDR, right? The bilateral stimulation, whether you're tapping on your knees or on either shoulder or your feet, whichever it is, it's already body movement. So into it's moving energy into different parts of your body and um, reconfiguring all of those traumas into something different. So a lot of neuroplasticity comes with that as well, correct?
1: Absolutely, yep,
0: so can you tell us about a successful or moving client story with whom you have used EMDR?
1: Yeah. um, so I guess i'll I've used it quite a bit with sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And so um I'll just kind of combine some of those experiences where um, you know, people I've worked with have, and this has been people of all genders. um have experienced some sort of sexual assault and oftentimes when we're violated in that way we internalize it we start to think you know i've had clients be like why didn't i protect myself like i didn't fight or i caused this to happen right so we start and they're feeling so much shame and dist- disgust with themselves they're feeling really bad like this this pain happened because of something they did and then by the end of reprocessing, then getting to the point of externalizing all of those emotions to the perpetrator, right? The abuser is the one that we're mad at. The abuser is the one that caused this pain. And then being able to clearly see that for themselves and then access a lot of compassion for themselves and what they've been through and um then experience just the natural grief of how you might feel after you've been violated and abused that way. Right. So just being able to really just be sad and feel the natural emotions that come up, the anger, right. The pain um, and that not being stunted by hating yourself in that process. So I've seen it work really beautifully with sexual assault.
0: Okay. And so how does it work with this modality that all of these feelings of anger do come up what needs to happen in order for those feelings to be alchemized or to be processed so that they're no longer there are there things that need to be said or thought about how do we flip the script so we think differently or feel differently when those memories come up
1: so one thing we do an EMDR at the beginning, as we say, just trust your brain to heal itself. Like there is nothing that that we need to make happen while we're doing this. It's very spontaneous. It's very like, it's something that we can't particularly explain, right? There's a lot about the brain that we don't get. And so somehow what I see happen is that people are able to maybe recall like certain memories that they had never had in their consciousness before but after doing these eye movements they're like oh I remember this one part of it or oh I remember I did kick right or oh I remember this thing and somehow then they can integrate that and that changes the narrative that they have about what happened um and we do get really specific about like, what do we believe about ourselves? And then part of the the second part of, of the processing is installing a new thought about yourself, right? So we do also get specific about what would you like to believe about yourself in that situation? And so we do install that thought using eye movement.
0: Okay. Yeah. And I know that the healing is so great that... um Some people experience trauma and it changes their personality. So have you seen personality changes in clients that you work with after they've gone through an EMDR session with you? Obviously for the better, the personality changes.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that you say that. Yes. I mean, confidence is the biggest one. Like uh, people are able to speak their truth, feel a lot more certain about who they are feel a lot more positive about who they are and how they move through things. Um, There's just so much confidence and empowerment that I see happen after doing EMDR.
0: Oh, that's amazing. This is making me want to go find a therapist who works with EMDR. Mine doesn't do it. So that's why I said that I do these sessions on my own and then I go process. But just the live, I think the live EMDR is so useful and I've watched so many so many different examples even in grad school about it and um, it's just so powerful and empowering and um, once you're ready to do this healing work and um, work with whatever memories come up in those in those sessions it's such a rewarding, such a rewarding modality to use. So I know that there are eight steps through it and you already mentioned it's, is it eight or nine? Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's eight, right?
1: I think it's eight. Yeah. Okay.
0: So you already mentioned, um, the prep work. Do you, do you mind listing for us what those eight steps look like so that whoever is interested in, in researching this modality a little further knows, um, um, uh, more about it beforehand?
1: I can do it in like a vague way there. So EMDR, I'll say is scripted, right? It's a manualized therapy, meaning that, you know, I pull up a prompt, I pull up a guide when I'm doing this. And this is what we're taught to do as EMDR therapists is to follow this, because that's what the research shows is effective. Um, So I don't know step by step offhand, because I have my guide with me. But Um, first I know that there's history taking right so we're going to go through like your the most challenging experiences right like ultimately making a trauma list what are the things that are really hard for you that we don't want to talk about right Um, so we'll do a lot of history taking so we know what could come up during this process what to prioritize working on in this process a lot of times it's all connected in some way and so if we get to the root we can kind of it'll unravel a lot of other, of the struggles that we're having. Um, So it's the history, the prep is um, something called resourcing in EMDR. And so it's kind of like connecting with your highest self, like connecting with your best memories, the moments where you felt most confident, most loved, most supported, and going through those really viscerally connecting with those together and then doing eye movement to strengthen those and create new neural pathways so that we're having those resources and we're realizing, oh, I am that person that has had these positive experiences and that has, that has these qualities already. I'm just maybe not as connected with them. And so that's what we'll do, we'll strengthen those and we'll really build those neural pathways. And so the, the resourcing is kind of a lot of work because again, we wanna make sure you're feeling pretty solid before we go in and process hard memories. Um, Let's see, and then yeah, like coping, we wanna make sure that you have skills, you have support, um, you know how to regulate yourself, at least on a basic level. And so that's kind of all the prep before. And then we do um, desensitization, which is the eye movement or the bilateral stimulation. And then after that is the installation. Okay, now we're gonna put the new thoughts in with our new information, with the new way that we integrated our experience. Um, And then at the end, we kind of check. So we'll go through and like check in with the body. Like, how is the body feel when we bring up this memory? Is there still sensation there? Is there still something coming up? And that lets us know, oh, there's still work to be done. There's still an emotional charge. There's still something stuck. And so we'll work with that until we get to a zero meaning you bring up this memory and there's no sensation right it's like something where you say like I just went to the grocery store this morning right very neutral no reaction so that's kind of how the process is
0: okay yeah so there are a lot of steps that go into it um before you actually get into the processing of it and I I guess i I'm wondering also, because so many huge feelings come up or can arise during the sessions, two questions come to mind. Um, the first one is, how how quickly after each session do you do the next one?
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: because I know that like, rec- I've heard recommended is like six sessions to start off with. Um, so like first, how quickly back to back do you do these sessions? And then the other question is, because of all the feelings that come up is have there been people that are traumatized from it, or does it never go in that direction?
1: Mm, That's a great question. So I can just speak from my practice and experience. Um, And I would say, so, you know, to hear you say six sessions, I'm like, Oh, was I trained in that too? I don't remember that number specifically, but I often don't see it taking that long. I've had, people in the first session, just one session, by the end of it, we are desensitized. So sometimes it could just be so rapid, depending on how your brain works, right? Um, And then sometimes if it is longer, and it takes multiple sessions, it is advised to meet weekly, sometimes even twice a week, just to keep all that processing going. Um, But I certainly will have clients that have just a natural grief happen, right, after a session. And so it'll be a harder week, right? They'll feel sad, they might cry, they might feel heavy, which is a natural response to the trauma that they didn't get to experience previously. And they might come in and say, like, I have, you know, five presentations this week, and I really can't be in that vulnerable space. Can we take a break? And it's like, absolutely. Like, yeah, let's work on just stabilizing ourselves, resourcing, right, getting you contained. Um, And then we'll, we'll go back to it. So I tend to be pretty flexible based on what my clients are feeling, but it is advised to keep going. Once you open the trauma, keep processing it.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think the only reason I've heard six is because um, I've listened to podcasts or read things that include people that have taken the adverse childhood experience scale. And so I think when you have more than 4 of those, those are obviously more than one trauma, right? The data that I presented earlier with the 390 minute session, I mean, you're saying that after one session people are desensitized desensitized. So, um it, yeah, if it's a quick thing, but the more traumas you have to process, obviously the the longer it's going to take, so I think that's where the sessions came from in my mind. The six sessions came from in my mind, um, but it's great to know that after even one session, after you've done the the prep work for it, that it works and you're you're not trauma free, but that you've you've created and developed those neural pathways to feel better about the experiences and not have those feelings of lowered self-esteem or low self-worth or all of the things that were caused as a result of the trauma.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, you're, you're totally right. It makes sense when you have complex trauma or many traumas, um, I don't often see it though, where where we kind of go down the trauma list. Like, okay, we did one, we're gonna go to the next one. It's usually like, okay, we're gonna do some other work and we're gonna take a break. And that was that was helpful for that thing. And maybe we'll come back to another trauma. Because like I said, they kind of end up being really related and can kind of unravel together mm-hmm. without needing to go through maybe all of them sometimes.
0: Okay. Okay, so even even if you have a checklist of things like I've been through all of this stuff, sometimes they just meld together because the experiences bring up either similar feelings or similar opinions about ourselves.
1: Absolutely. Yes.
0: Okay, that makes perfect sense. Do you have any resources on EMDR that people can look into outside of the therapy session or in between sessions if they're working on their own stuff?
1: Yeah, so EMDRIA is the, it's EMDRIA.org. Um, is kind of like the EMDR, the national EMDR website. It might even be international, but you can go on there. You can find a therapist trained in EMDR that's near you. Um, they have videos about EMDR, more psychoeducation. They also have all the research listed on there, right? Who has this been helpful for? How many studies have been done? What um, improvements have they noticed? It's a lot of really promising research. Um, I think also, you know, if you just go on YouTube and search EMDR, you'll hear a bunch of therapists talking about it. Um, I think that you know, there's not as much like you can learn about it in terms of like what the process is, but but yeah, you don't really want to do it by yourself. You want to connect with therapists. So. A lot of the resources are going to be around, like what you can expect, and then how to find the clinician that you want to do this work with.
0: Cool. Is there anything else that you think that is important people should know about EMDR that we haven't already covered?
1: Um. Yeah, I think you know. I want people to know that you it works um, virtually and in person. So I've seen it be as effective either way um, whatever space that you feel most safe in that, I think that will be the most effective for you. We want you to be as safe as possible. Um, and then just the feedback that I hear about it again, it's, it's something that's kind of beyond logic, right? Maybe something that we can't really explain, but, um, I had somebody this week, a male client say like, oh yeah, that EMDR stuff we talked about, like, I don't think about it ever again. Like, it's just, it's just gone. Right. And, and so it's possible. It's really possible to heal from some of the most challenging things. And this is just one of the ways, but it is the the most rapid way. Um, If you're having a hard time going like wanting to face it or go towards it, this might be the therapy that would be most helpful for you.
0: Yeah. And I love the way that it came about, like just on a walk in the park, because I've, I've personally had epiphanies running. And so it makes sense that, you know, this person was walking, I'm running and probably my eyes are darting back and forth because I'm watching for pedestrians or for cars or for dogs or something. And I'm doing the work without even realizing that I'm doing EMDR on myself, because usually when I run, I do it to de-stress. And I think as long as we go in with the intention of this is probably what I want to work on. Um, and you have that bilateral stimulation, it's just super awesome that it came around about so accidentally. And then it's this world phenomenon of healing and processing and, and helping people step away from all of those traumas that, um, I don't know, change their personality for the worst. And then they can step out of that and and just become their best ideal selves. Um, and it's great that you're doing this work. I I'm super grateful that there are people out there who are trained in this. I I'm looking to become trained in it as well at some point because I I see the the effects that it has on people and how positive it is. I the little nerd in me when you were talking about the creating neural p- pathways so was like jumping up and down cuz I love all of this stuff. Just creating and watching videos of the neurons just forming that you know we're not old dogs that can't learn new tricks. Our brain can continue to grow and change from whatever we were raised with you know we can't just be like well we're old we can't change that stuff anymore it's not true anymore and and I love that that research has come up and that EMDR is one of those therapies that can help us to switch our lives around to a complete 180 from what we've been living full of traumas and full of low self-esteem and low self-worth and whatever other things that these traumas have caused in us.
1: I totally agree with all of that. It is so transformational. I think I'll also add, um, you know, just when thinking about the Latino community, sometimes like with our intergenerational trauma, we might not know the narrative, right? We might not know the stories all of that has been lost a lot of that has been taken right and so with EMDR you don't have to know the story we can just go to your body we can just like know what sensations you feel or we can just know what emotions you feel this heaviness you feel you don't even have to know why and and we can bypass all of that and kind of work with the subconscious and so I love that about it too, right? It's, it's not something that has to be explicit. It can be very much in your body and subconscious and we can still work with it.
0: Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for bringing that up. That was a question on my list that I totally missed because of how excited I am about all the other things that you're mentioning. Yes. The, the EMDR in the Latino community and how it can be helpful. You know, I've, pre-recorded other episodes that are kind of come out before this one that talk about intergenerational trauma already and what that looks like. And yeah, sometimes we don't have to pinpoint, right? That it comes from great grandma because she's passing down this feeling of pain from being beaten by her husband or whatever it is. Like fact of the matter is it's passed down into our bodies. And sometimes we don't have to know what it is. Sometimes it's just enough to deal with the sensation in our body and it's enough, that's enough to go through this, this therapy and this modality, deal with it, and then move on from it so that it doesn't keep further affecting us. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, so tell us how to contact you, you have your socials, a website. And then if you have any engagements or workshops coming up that um, would be helpful to any of us, please let us know.
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm on Instagram. My handle is at cultured therapist, C-U-L-T-U-R-E-D-T-H-E-R-A-P-I-S-T. Wow. That was hard. (laughs) Hopefully I spelled those things right. Um, and then my website is cultureinmind.com. Um, I am doing another podcast next month for the wellness evolution. And we'll, we'll be talking about, um, the, the Latino community and the different experiences that we have, right. Different generations and how our culture manifests differently. Um, so be on the lookout for that one. And then I'm also going to be doing a, um, what do I want to call it? Like a giveaway, I'm going to be giving away a free course of treatment. So it'll be 10 sessions. um, And I'll announce that on Instagram. And you can enter yourself or somebody you know, if you haven't been in therapy, and you've been wanting to try it, maybe EMDR or something you'll want to do. Um, But 10 sessions would seem pretty adequate to work through one issue, um, or a few depending on what you're going through. So I'll be announcing that soon as well. Yeah,
0: that's such a great opportunity. So anybody who gets to watch this podcast, I get I hope that we post it out when it's like time to do it, or I'll watch it and reorder the order of my podcast episode so that it's in time for the for the giveaway. Cause that's such a great opportunity. Somebody that's listening to this and is like, I want to try MDR and it's 10 sessions, it's totally worth it. Um, EMDR and therapy can get really, really expensive. So uh, that's awesome that you can do that and that you can provide the service to somebody who will be very blessed to have you as a therapist. Super cool. Awesome. Well, anything else that you want to say Samantha before we sign off?
1: Um, I'm just grateful for the space. I'm grateful that I was invited on the podcast and grateful for everybody listening and wanting to learn about how to change your life, how to change how you feel. You deserve that. And um, I hope we can be connected. Yay.
0: Well, awesome. Thanks so much for being on, Samantha. Um, We will be catching up soon, hopefully. Yes. All right. Well, that was an amazing episode. I'm so grateful for Samantha that she took some time out of her schedule to be able to be on here and drop all the wisdom that she did about EMDR. And I hope that that, like, inspired those of you who feel like you're ready to sit through the ugly because this is a hard therapy it's a really hard therapy to go through you know when um when people go through this therapy there's a lot of feelings that come up a lot of ugliness and i think the most important thing to take from this at least from i don't think we mentioned in the episode but i really want to mention that like if you are able to don't give up and continue to go through the emotions that you can go through because it is so well worth it once you're on the other side of it um it's just like samantha mentioned you know like such a quick quick therapy to work with the um, traumas that people experience and i mentioned my interest in having my own mental health therapist who's trained or certified in EMDR. And now I do have my own therapist. I recorded this episode a few weeks back, so I had been mulling that idea because I've been recommending it to so many people. And I'm like, well, I can't just do it on myself all the time because um, like Samantha mentioned, this is a scripted therapy. And um, the couple of times that I did it with myself um, or on myself, I, um It was difficult for me. I still went through some feelings and was able to reprocess some things, but it's, it's not comparable to being able to actually focus on the feelings that come up and that surface while the other person can focus on the questions that they ask you during the, during the whole process. So, um, I found my own EMDR therapist, and I'm really excited to start doing my work because. As I've mentioned in the past episodes, yes, I'm amazingly proud of the woman that I am now. I'm so different from what I used to be a few months back. I've mentioned that also, but I want to continue growing. I want to continue being that just of service in this world and like a good person and a healed person. So I don't act from a painful or hurtful place. Um, I don't think I have been recently, but I know that there are things that I have to heal. I mentioned the ACEs score in the podcast, and I didn't further specify what it was. Maybe some of y'all know what it is, but for those of you who don't know, the ACEs score is um, something that you can find online, actually. It's a tool you can find online that lets you know basically how messed up one is, but so here... It stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences score, and it's a list of ten things that could have happened in your life growing up before the age of eighteen that then make one apt or susceptible to um, high blood pressure or heart issues or cancer or so like the more. I think it's you have if you have four or more of those things then all of these physical things manifest in you as you age right so um it also it's basically a list of 10 different types of traumas that you've gone through in your life and so out of 10 i have eight so i'm a little bit fucked up i'm a little bit messed up um and so because I'm in this history taking process with my EMDR therapist, I haven't even done the like prep work yet as she's barely asking me to list out the things that I wanna work on. And because I'm super honest with y'all on this podcast, um, I'm definitely gonna work on my high anxiety. I live with anxiety almost all the time and it comes with and from my anger. And so I wanna be able to work with that and um shit i guess i'll make the list for y'all right now (laughs) so my anxiety is one of them that i want to work on i want to work on the um the domestic violence i witnessed when i was growing up you know um it wasn't just my parents i grew up in a household with as a lot of immigrants do in california and maybe other states as well Um, we all lived in a condo with, like, four other families or three other families at any given time, and if my mom and dad were not getting in physical altercations, then my uncles were beating their wives. Um, so, I witnessed a lot of domestic violence, um, and heard a lot of domestic violence outside of my door, my doors, or the doors as a child. Um... I want to be able to process witnessing alcoholism in my family. Um, The uncles that I had who lived in that condo with me or passed through and visited um, either were aggressive because of alcohol or had to be restrained because they were being physically aggressive or um, out of control and then had to have the cops called on them like that's a whole thing that I want to process. And then um, I was sexually abused as a child. Um, so, you know, that's that's part of the list of things that I, I, I need to sit and think how it's affecting me currently because I don't think I've sat down to think about those things. And that's the opportunity that EMDR gives us. You know, I've been able to heal this thing with my mom that I have so vulnerably and openly talked about but there's a lot of other stuff that I want to be able to heal so I can move through this world with intention and and with a pure heart and um, it's hard to do this work by yourself when you do it by yourself um, sometimes it doesn't go so well Um, kudos again to those of you who are able to but I can't I mean I can probably do it but it's easier to be able to have someone else by your side on your journey so um yeah if y'all think sorry remember i'm not home <laughs> if y'all think that this is a good therapy for y'all and you feel like you're strong enough to sit with the emotions that come up from these memories that you process in therapy i urge you to look up a certified person in emdr because like i said it's a well-worth-it therapy. So, um, yeah, again, we won't have an episode for a couple of weeks, so um, stay tuned, though. I have linked all of Samantha's information below, so she mentioned org, which is literally the EMDR um, website, so you can have all of the information that you want, but then she also mentioned that she's going to be on another podcast for Wellness Evolution and those 10 free sessions y'all i can't do it because she's a friend of mine and we're in a consultation group together and i i would just hop on that that giveaway um so stay tuned and follow her at her instagram at, at culture therapist um go check out her website at cultureandmind.com and i will be seeing y'all or y'all will be seeing me on the next episode of doses of darling don't forget to like this video, subscribe to the channels. I don't know how you do that on Spotify or Apple, but like keep listening. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for joining me. I am sending you all lots of light and blessings and joy and love and all of the good things on this planet. Um, See y'all next time.